Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 509. I fingered the thinning cloth of the tinker's cloak. If you'll throw in needle and thread, I'll trade you my cloak for the lot of it. I said with a sudden inspiration. Plus, I'll give you an iron penny, a copper penny, and a silver penny. I grinned. It was a pittance, but that's what tinkers and stories ask for when they trade some fabulous piece of magic to an unsuspecting widow's son when he's off to make his fortune in the world. The tinker threw his head back and laughed. I was about to suggest that very thing, he said. Then he tossed my cloak over his arm and shook my hand firmly. I fished around in my purse and handed over an iron drab, two vintage half pennies, and much to my pleasant surprise, an Aturin hard penny. The last was lucky for me, as it was only worth a fraction of a vintage silver round. I emptied the dozen pockets of my burgundy cloak into my travel sack and collected my new possessions from the tinker. Then I wrote a quick letter to Denna, explaining that my patron had sent me away unexpectedly. I apologized for the rash things I'd said, and told her I would meet with her as soon as I was back in Severin. I would have liked more time to compose it. I would have liked to give a more subtle apology, a more detailed explanation, but the tinker had finished packing away my beautiful cloak and was obviously eager to be on his way again. Not having any sealing wax to secure the letter, I used a trick I'd invented when writing notes on the mare's behalf. I folded the piece of paper against itself, then tucked it together in such a way that it would be necessary to tear the paper in order to unfold it again. I handed it to the tinker. It goes to a pretty dark-haired woman by the name of Denna. She's staying at the Four Tappers in Severn Low. That reminds me, he explained as he tucked my letter into a pocket. Candles. He reached into a saddlebag and pulled out a handful of fat tallow tapers. Everyone needs candles. Funny thing was, I could use some, though not for the reason he thought. I've also got some rubbing wax for your boots, he continued, rooting through his bundles. We get fierce rain this time of year. I held up my hands, laughing. I'll give you a bit for four candles, but I can't afford any more. If this keeps up, I'll have to buy your donkey just to carry the lot with me. Suit yourself, he said, with an easy shrug. Pleasure doing business with you, young sir. And that's the page and the chapter. I'm Nick. I'm Jeremy. And I got used to Jordana introducing herself, finally. So... (laughs) I'm just going to wait and make her do it. Uh, Okay, just quick correction here. I always introduce myself. I just don't often do it first. And that happened like three times. You can't be used to it yet. I, I, I was used to it after the first one. Sorry. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm a big fan of first is the worst, second is the best. <laughs> mm. Spoken by someone who has to rationalize why they always come in second. I didn't ask for your sass. <laughs> no, you're getting it for free. That's part of the benefit of doing this podcast with me. <laughs> uh, so Quoth is like 
Foth thinks he's just like being funny and kind of meta and nudge, nudge, wink, winking the tinker. Like, look, I'm going to offer you the deal that you would offer the kid when you traded him the magic beans. Uh, but I think that it actually is significant to the tinker and the tinker is very pleased to be offered a sil- an iron penny, a copper penny and a silver penny. And that maybe is why he agrees so readily to the trade. Well, yeah, he says, feels- I was about to offer the same thing. I think that, that that's part of the deal. That's part of like the, I, I, I don't know this to me, if I'm going to close read this for some world building, I would say that tinkers sort of have a couple of functions. One of them is a mundane, um, mundane merchant. So they can just go around and do sales, but also occasionally they will do a bargain that has greater importance. And when they do that, they seal it with, with something like this, with the three pennies, with the, the storybook uh, rationale. Yes. Also, it feel like it feels like a tradition. Like even if it wasn't like a like a kind of a little bit magical, like this is how you seal the deal thing, it does feel like it's a tradition. And yeah. that a that a tinker would would enjoy practicing that tradition makes sense to me. Yeah. For sure. Uh I also, I I deeply empathize with Quoth trying to sum up his his objection uh, that with an A, not an O here, uh, and his his wish to make it up with Denna, but also like being constrained by time and like also like words being inadequate to the task. He's just like he's doing his best to write a, a note zap apology here, but he's limited by time and characters. We just thought it kind of have to has to scribble it out and he knows that it's probably like not as good as he would like it to be, but he like he's under pressure uh, and he's just trying to like cram a lot of complicated feelings into this letter. I, I empathize with that a lot. And also I want to point out once again, how unreliable this, this, this Temerate postal service seems to be, because he just says you're giving it to a girl named Denna who has dark hair and she's staying at this inn in sever in this this the inn with this name in this district of the city the last time I checked. You know, like like the the idea that anybody ever gets their mail in this world is miraculous to me if this is the system they're operating by. Well, you you may recall uh that like the other system is just like continually trading the letters to whoever's going that direction on the off chance that you make a bit of profit when you trade it off to the next guy mm-hmm. also unreliable <laughs> how much do we want to bet that Quoth is going to wind up regretting not having that ceiling wax i mean the um uh, i'm i'm pretty i want us to keep an eye on uh the next act of the book for things that that he failed to get from the tinker and also uh, the times he uses the things he got from the stinker. Yeah, well, the only thing he does not get that the tinker offers him is the rubbing wax. He, he ends up taking everything else. And he does get wax. Yeah, so he has the candles, but I don't know that they would work the same way. He's going to have wet shoes. Well, and Quoth thinks he's going to use the candles for sympathy, right? That's what he's implying when he says he could use some candles, but not for the reason the tinker thinks. Yeah, I don't remember why he needs the candles. Well, I guess we'll find out. Sympathies. Sympathies, Jordana. Oh, right, right. Duh. Right, but I took Jordana's meeting to be, why does the Tinker think he needs the candles? Oh, I thought the Tinker thought he needed the candles for the wax for the letter. 
No, because he doesn't seal the letter with wax. Right. No, he okay. he gets reminded of of the candles when he says four tapers. Mm-hmm. You could just read it as another opportunity to sell him something because I'm sure candles are extremely useful in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, but you you know also Quoth does need them, so maybe there is something supernatural about the recommendation. Mm-hmm. Continuing the trend of Quoth being a toxic friend. Uh, when you're giving an apology, generally a, a real apology, a proper apology doesn't involve you explaining why you did the thing you did. An explanation is not part of it. Um, so it actually behooves Quoth that he doesn't have the time to write an explanation for why he said what he said. But just, uh, you know, as someone who's been in a lot of therapy, uh, I can say with certainty that when you're offering an apology, you need to offer an unreserved apology and not explain, not say, look, I did what I did that hurt you for a, a reason that was very good to me at the time. That's not something that someone wants to hear when they're getting an apology. So, uh, Quoth, don't put an apology in the letter. Just send the letter and say you're sorry and mean it. Hmm. I mean... On the other hand, I would like to know why someone's apologizing to me if they're apologizing, because maybe their reasoning is wrong. I think it kind of depends on the person. Like, I, like, if I think of, like, times when I've done that, like, when I've I've been the bad person who explains things, it's always because I feel like that person deserves an explanation. So I think it depends on who you're giving the apology to and if they're the kind of person who would want the explanation. Yeah, like... That, that's the, that's the kind of thing where I feel like a, an axiomatic you must always do this and never do that kind of ruling doesn't account for the complexity of human interaction. I strongly don't agree. There is a methodology to giving explanation to giving apologies. You can certainly uh, give an explanation later, maybe, but it has to be after your apology, and it ha- the apology has to be unreserved and unmitigated. Otherwise, it's not a real apology. So like well, certainly if if you want to continue to to explore it after the apology has come and the person that you're apologizing to says, you know what, I would like to hear an explanation, then you can give it. But I can say with certainty that uh, you should not include an explanation with the apology until it's asked for. I have learned something from this conversation, yeah. which is I should when giving so. an apology specifically to Nick follow this rule when giving an apology specifically to jeremy don't (laughs) that is what i have learned from this conversation although i generally i do generally agree with nick for for the record jeremy i'm sorry i hit you with my car but listen i had a good reason you were being very annoying that is a good reason i deserve to get hit with the car thank you (laughs) jeremy you don't have anything to fight about anymore (laughs) what about stairs what if i stares you Look, the stairs are reserved for a very select few people. Uh, Is there anything else that we want to talk about on this page? Yes, but it is the final note. So make your words before I make it. Do it. All right. This chapter, it is the end of the chapter. This chapter was called Players. I think that most obviously this title refers to the beginning of this chapter being a little bit like a D&D game in that it's like, hey, here's the characters. Look at all the things they do and how they are and etc. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's it's uh, introducing the players who are going to be, you know, the characters in the next act of the of the book. Um, and it's also giving Quoth uh, his inventory. So it's, it really is like setting the scene, assembling the party, the character sheets. Yeah, you could uh, even read it book. as like a pun on like they are a D&D party. 
Well, like, I see it in two ways. I see it as players as in, like, a D&D player, but I also see it as players in, as in people putting on a show for you. Yeah, exactly. we are the audience. Yes. Yes, that's... Yes. Sorry, is that exactly what you meant? <laughs> that is exactly what I meant, yes. Whoops. You could read it as, like, the players at the beginning of a Shakespeare play where you're introduced to the dramatis personae in the script, and you can also read it as, like, the players, because these characters are all kind of like a D&D party. Yes. And that makes sense for Quoth, too, because Quoth, obviously, has a background in the theater. Indeed. I, I, I think that's it. I think that is it. And <laughs> it'll be it until tomorrow's it on uh, on its bits, the podcast. Of page. Of page the of the it's. Page of the bits. <laughs>